on purpose because he killed his whole family. You know, as one. Does. You know, the usual. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Or at least the majority of his family before his dad and his sister put him in there because he was being a terrible human being. Well, you know, like you do. There are a lot of terrible human beings. Especially in literature. Maybe we should make a list about it. And on the CW. (laughs) Oh. I was talking contemporary reality. Oh, well, that works too. But like, I mean, in literature. We should make a list on it. We should have a political podcast. No, we shouldn't. No. What was oh, that word goodness. you said, Aaron? A list. A list. <laughs> Aaron! Ah. Segway! could you Thanks. be talking the about? Smoothest transition. <laughs> the smoothest transition that nobody realized I was segwaying the whole time. I fig- I was about to just do, like, once there was enough dead silence, I was going to do, like, oh, so kids, what are we doing here? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Episode 23. Here we go, people. Topic today, reading list. And it could be reading list from Book Riot, whichever, Lit Hub, whatever you want to go, or we can talk about the dreaded, hated, loathed reading list you get from your educators to help you avoid the summer slide, which, though well-intentioned, get out of here with that stuff. So, (laughs) we know how you feel. (laughs) Well, no, pretty much by the time we were given reading list, I was that one kid in class who, oh, I'd read those already. Uh, I, was, I was like, cool, something to read. Yeah, that would be you. It's yeah. true. All right, well, that wraps that up, folks. Let's get go home. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what do we think about reading list? Who likes... But I don't know what Jen's reading right now. Oh, gosh, it's right! <laughs> Incredible. I thought we were better than this. <laughs> <laughs> you thought <what>? ah. <laughs> Okay. Maybe your expectations were a bit What are you reading right now? Uh, one of the things I'm reading right now is a spoiler for the next episode of the podcast, mm. so I will not go and Oh, say. sure. Okay. But the other thing that I'm reading, because I'm reading that as an ebook on my phone, and when I want my phone to charge and not be on it for a minute, I just started The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh, uh, yeah. How is that so I'm far? five, six chapters in, but I'm enjoying it oh, okay. a lot so far. It's going to be... I have seen things online that imply that this is going to end a certain way oh. that I approve of. Oh. And so I am looking forward to seeing if the rumors are rumors. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Interesting. Nice. Anthony. Uh, for fiction, I am reading The Vanished Birds by Simon Jimenez, which I started last year and I'm resuming now because it's rather... I say it's dense. It's not really dense. It's just the structure is different than I expected, and sometimes that can throw me off, even if I'm enjoying it, which I really am. So every chapter is like a novella, almost. Mm, But it's all connected because, like, for example, in the very first chapter, it's a 56-page chapter, and you go from birth to death of this one character who... You know, the most important thing that you have to remember is that he's having an affair with a woman who never ages as he ages because she experiences time differently than he does because that's literally what her job is, is to travel through time space or pocket space, as they call it. That sounds Um, fun. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, So then you flip it and after, you know, he's dead and there she is and you're in her chapter and you hear about stuff and then one of those people that you hear about in that chapter, you get her perspective in the next chapter and her whole They're all saga slightly interconnected. In a way, which is really interesting. And it's all interconnected. It's it's almost like watching a television show that does this, like or an anime, like a like a ni- early nineties anime in a way. Uh, the way that it's composed. Mm, it's, mm, yeah, it's really I interesting. Got you. Yeah. Very fun. Um and I don't know, interesting. And then for nonfiction, I'm reading Dancing at the Edge of the World by Ursula K. Le Guin, which is just a bunch of essays that she wrote in the 70s and 80s. And they're fascinating because she's <laughs> fascinating and smart and, you know, all of the things. So, okay. yeah. And her, she's a pretty good author. I mean, she's literally an American classic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Speaking of required reading lists. They're about to start fighting. Well, so I'm she's gonna, not a go. I'm going to interject here and say I'm in the middle of, you know, between books. 
So next up, I'm going to read, like, Angel Mage by Garth Nix. And then Serpentine Dove is after that. Nice. There you go, Jen. Um, But in other things that we're doing, because we are semi-bookish, I am re-watching um, an anime called Terror and Resonance, which was a really Ooh. good one. Um, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Makes me cry at the end. 10 out of 10. Nice. Um, and then I'm still playing Sims. Uh, shout out to my friends who I got to follow this podcast. <laughs> nice. Who I accidentally Hi, got them on a Sims binge because I was talking about it so much. Nice. Good work. Grant, good what are you doing? Uh, what am I doing? Yeah. Okay. Um... So sitting at the table. Yeah, I'm sitting at the table, <laughs> looking at looking at my hands. So <laughs> no, um, I uh, I'm almost done with um, City of Gods by N.K. Jemisin. Nice. So, Anthony, if you want to post series uh, opinion eventually, I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to give that to yeah, you. Yeah, because that's the third one, right? Yes, okay, that's the yeah, last excellent. one. Yeah. Fun. There, there's like a little short story at the end of the book. That's oh yeah, The it, Awakened Kingdom. So Maybe, um, maybe not. It, I think it's called uh, Not Over or something like that. Oh, oh okay. But, All right. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know about that one. Cool. But, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I will say that the trilogy is very consistent in quality mm. and style. So mm-hmm. dip, whatever your opinion of one, you're likely to feel the same about the others. Excellent. That's take good that, to know. Take that how you will. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention, I mentioned it to Anthony actually, um, it's a movie I saw. It's called mm-hmm. um, Consuming Spirits. Oh, yeah. um, it's a really interesting animated film where... <laughs> yeah, it, it, my alley, this is up my alley, continue. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting animated film. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's split between kind of a cardboard cutout style, like newspaper clipping almost, mm. which makes sense because the main characters all work at this newspaper. Anyway, the small town newspaper. Oh, that's so cool. But um, and it's intercut with more traditional two D animation. Um, it's really it's really well done. I've never seen something quite like it. But I just yeah. wanted to shout it out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah, cool. Stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. I am reading uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman number two. The oh. Doll House, the Doll's House, mm. and I'm only like 20 pages into it. I'm reading a few pages before I go to bed, and I'm yeah. lately just so exhausted. I'm like, hit bed, open book, fall asleep. <laughs> um, so that's what it is right now. And I'm also reading. I'm gonna make sure I get the title right. Nine nasty words, English in the gutter, <laughs> then, now, and forever by uh, John McWhorter. Which... What are the words? <laughs> Or is Andy allowed to say beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's it's very much what you think. It's it tackles it he's tackling nine of the nastiest or most typically referred to as the dirtiest of the dirty mm. you know, words. Mm-hmm. The yes, the A, F, D, and you know, they, they all get mentions and he's plowing through and it's it, it's kinda of like reading the Oxford English dictionary, going to the entries of those particular curse words. Oh, with more humor and personality, which well, don't get me wrong, I do love picking up, you know, picking up. Like I don't think I could bench press that much. Um, the Oxford English Dictionary, I like going through it when I can get to one. Mm. But let's be honest, no matter how exciting, interesting it is, it's it's kind of humorless. Well, um, well, but it, it is a dictionary. It, it it is, and I mean that is a wealthy little thing. If I ever win the lottery, I will have like Oxford English Dictionary somewhere in my my study. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that's what I am reading right now. I wanted something a little non-fiction-y, but nothing too, too heavy. And I mm. always have a fondness for books that talk about linguistics, communication, etymology of mm. words, and so on and so forth, yeah. um, colloquialisms. Yeah. I, I, I love just to kind of staying in the know with that kind of topic. And so that's what I'm reading. Nice. And it's also narrated by the author. So he's oh, doing cool. a pretty good job of narrating his own book. Nice. Um, but yeah, definitely not required reading. <laughs> ah, definitely depending not. on the course. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, really depending on the course. <laughs> I never got required reading lists growing up. I think they were never. It may have been because it was Christian school, and they may not do those. They didn't. I, I didn't get one of those either. I never got one. They never gave us like an actual like list <laughs> list of like. These are the things you have to read over mm-hmm. the summer, or these are the things that you have to read for this class, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like in up until like college, where they were like, mm-hmm. "We have a book, and then you have to read it." Yeah. 
here you get it before you go into class. But when I was in high school and middle school and elementary school, when they started us doing, like, required reading yeah. things, they just handed us the book. And they were like, we're going to read this in yeah. class, but we're not actually reading it in class. What they mean by that is we're going to put on the audio book oh. in the classroom while you're reading it. Oh, my wow. teacher read it aloud but to us in those I grades. Know, I love it's going that. to be the most droning version of yep. the book that just drones, and you're just like... I don't want to read this. <laughs> I hate this. Why am I here? It's like, really, why can't you take the extra effort to find an audiobook that's good? Well, back yeah, then, it, though. Or again, like... I mean, that's just true. Well, I, was, I, in, in her case, player. it was like five years ago. It was not. <laughs> it was not. It was more it was, than I mean, that. Overdrive Six. is still <laughs> relatively new. Actually, I was in high school in like 2011, 2010. <laughs> Right, Overdrive was relatively new. Then. They literally and just not, would get us CDs and like, and like not pop in the CD player. But the idea of recording books isn't. No, no, I mean it's, it's not true. that old. It's just the it's, access. It's the accessibility yeah. factor, yeah. which That's is why they choose. Right. Which, interestingly enough, is what like speaking of required reading, it's the reason that certain books even are chosen by teachers for courses, because, you know, even though a book that you read as a teacher in college or outside of college says something or does something better than To Kill a Mockingbird, for example. To Kill a Mockingbird is eight bucks a paperback. And if you're a teacher buying it through teacher resources, you can get even cheaper, which means that all of your students get a, their own copy. Mm-hmm. And the ownership of books increases literacy, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's one of the reasons that that's kind of stood the test of time it's not because it's that good it's because you make something a classic you make it available for classrooms you make cheap knockoff paperback copies and mass market teachers buy them for decades it it kind of is a (laughs) or you go to college and they make you buy the book oh don't worry the school store has tons of them you go there oh we've been out of stock for months yeah but you gotta order from this website for three hundred (laughs) dollars amazon baby not if you're an english major yeah, no, not if you're an English major. All of my books were a penny on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go straight to Amazon. <laughs> but you still have to pay like $5 for shipping. Yeah, I paid more in shipping than that I did for the book. books. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> oh, he Jeff did not go Bezos. there. Oh, <laughs> Can yeah. you hear us from space, sure? Um. <laughs> but also, and on the topic of To Kill a Mockingbird too, why certain things get chosen for reading lists and why some don't, beyond the many, many like political reasons for all of that. Right. Mm. With, one of the, with the book that I'm reading that is a spoiler for the next time, mm. I literally got about it three paragraphs in, and I am already like, okay. <laughs> I understand, like, tonally, language-wise, why this is an assigned reading choice for high schoolers. I don't. Because I mean, I... Because it's popcorn, easy. I'm, I'm ready for popcorn. Because it's something to me. I started reading. <laughs> literally handed this popcorn again. Two paragraphs in, I'm like, okay, this narrator has a voice. You oh, can understand sure. the words yeah. that he's using. It Do sounds you very cup? like he is talking to you directly. That's true. It is very. And it's voicey. something that'll hook you from the start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unlike more of a like Pride and Prejudice, where like yes, the opening line is iconic for a certain kind of person, but it takes a little more work to get into the mindset of Pride and Prejudice than it even does. And granted, you still need some work to get into the mindset of my spoiler book. Explain Shakespeare, then. Oh, no. Because everyone has to read a Shakespeare play. I, why? Because. Yeah. I, because it's going to be on the AP Lit exam. I still and, don't get it. But why? I think it's Who decides depressed. this? Why are they well, qualified to decide? Also, I mean, but also, a- at some point... And this is not, I hate to say this the way I'm going to phrase it, because I don't want to, like, I'm not di- I don't want to dig at teachers. I no, think right. all teachers are doing the best that they can with Absolutely. the time and the resources that they have. Like, this is not meant to be a dig at personal level right. of teachers. Yeah, yeah. But at what point, like, yes. It's something, you know, why are we assigning it to high schoolers? Why aren't we assigning them something, like, interesting, I understand. I think Shakespeare can be interesting to high schoolers. Absolutely. If you're mm-hmm. going to put in the time and effort to teach it right. Correct. And also, like, yes, I understand and respect. There are certain YA novels that I also understand fully going ahead and teaching the high schoolers because I think there is something to dig into and unpack and get into the meat of there. Mm-hmm. But, like, why shouldn't we assign something challenging either? No, no, I agree. I mean, I don't know that... it. To me, it's not even necessarily that Shakespeare is challenging, even though he is. 
it's the idea that every time something is chosen for required reading lists or every time something is chosen for academic purposes in a high school, we go to the olden days. I mean, you know, the book you're reading was published in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Like, can we update it a little bit? We're in t- 2020. We don't need to be reading something from 1920 because why? Like, there's so you no don't actual... want them reading that one? They, you want them reading the one that's currently on the shelf right now in the news section? But <laughs> Sure. But, but my point is, what is the difference between those two texts? It isn't quality. Ooh, because there's an established body Many. of knowledge that has studied it for that is fair. X if you want, that's it can yes. yes. So there's and it can like, hold up. Even if a professor held. doesn't have a concrete thought about that yet, there's other like from and if you're a, and tell a teaching them, perspective, it's easier to teach something that has been taught before. And if your knowledge fails as a teacher, you can borrow the insights and teachings of other. Or even beyond that, like true. if you're going to tell the kids, "Hey, you need to write a paper about this book," and I don't mean like a book report, I mean do some research on it. You gotta have something there for them something to research. Something that's easier for yeah. them to research. That's true. Which I mean, you know, again, yeah. Oh, oh, don't get me I mean, started. We might not like this the is idea of education system. I wonder if people will be able to guess my spoiler by the end of the episode. Possibly. Let I us feel, know in the I mean, comments. It's one of the. It's one of the things that I feel is Wait, very. Wait, what have we given so far? 1920s, I don't think we've given anything. 1920s, we haven't given any. Not no. concrete, but I feel like maybe just the way we keep talking. <laughs> there's something to be listening. Good job. Well, there goes bleep that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> but I feel. I feel. I guess I just. I'm I, we're just um, gonna have Jen saying no. Yeah, we're top of I'll it. allow it. I, I. There are there are academic reasons, you know, from the perspective of the teacher to understand why certain books are chosen. Easier access, yes. obviously. Um, scholarship for decades and or centuries makes this possible. Yes. Um, I also. I'm going to risk it. It's lazy. It might be. I, I think that and for some when teachers, you're, it could be. And when you are pressed for time, stressed, dealing with a lot of things that have nothing to do with your education degree or actually teaching children, then, yeah, you're going to make the lazy choice yes. when it comes to assigning a, a What do you something. mean? Teachers stressed? Right. I mean, so, it, no. so, there's, so there is a, I mean, there's obviously sort of like a, a, a balance or something. There's something there. I'm just tired of seeing the same books. The canon is frustrating, mostly because it doesn't make any sense. I would just like, like another Shakespeare option in high schools for once. Which I one mean, do you have to read? I would like no Shakespeare um, in high schools for once. That'd be a nice turnover. Let so, him go. <laughs> Let, when you know. I was in high school, that's when we like read them. Yeah. My freshman year, we had to read Romeo and Juliet. Same. And it's a good one. Which is fine, but we also had to read it right after we read, read Night by Ellie Wiesel. <coughs> so there was a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, what? <laughs> let's just keep it bleak all year. Yeah. I mean, and see, then we read Romeo and Juliet's funny. But it but it, it makes it even right. worse when you realize we read To Kill a Mockingbird before that. Oh no. <laughs> so oh no. Literally, that was my ninth grade year. Yeah. And then in we didn't read one in. 10th grade, we read The Crucible instead, which was yep. a lot more fun. It is. Because, you know, we got to connect it to politics, which well, was see, always fun. I haven't read yet. I feel like that's Fantastic. just how you also always get all the high school sophomores always yelling at each other, I saw Goody Bloom dancing with the devil. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and um, in my Custom. 11th grade year, we read Julius Caesar. Oh, that's different. And Antigone, which isn't a Shakespeare, but no, it's an old Greek yeah. play. Yeah, it's Greek, yeah. But the... And then... If you were in the honors class, you read Hamlet, which is fine. I love, I love Hamlet. reading Hamlet. I Hamlet's fantastic. Hamlet. Hamlet's great. <laughs> and then we didn't read one in 12th grade, but I would have loved to read. I realized that I read it in college, but Othello's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We read Othello um, in my affiliate class and A Midsummer Night's Dream. And I... Ooh, that's a good one. We did A Midsummer Night's Dream for one of the plays that year. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. so like I I was in it, so I got to read the play. But like I feel like, context wise, it would have been better if like I read it in class too. You know, there comes to be a, like thinking about the Shakespeare being taught in schools, and this is, 
an issue of privilege, arguably, or maybe watching a film. A film is accessible. Mm. Yes. Watching a film or going to see a stage production yes. of Shakespeare. Yeah. Like intentionally getting that that's the launching point of yes. no, the Shakespeare lesson. I think for lesson. all of them we did end up we be, would yeah. read it but then like usually right after we finished reading in class we would watch the movie of all of the ones. Or at I least saw. clips of the movie. Yeah, we would do clips of the, yeah. 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 But like I didn't no, realize I think we how still hilarious had, like, three, Romeo and Juliet was until I watched a staged version of it. Like yeah. I, in ninth grade I was just I'm like I don't want to mm-hmm. read this. This is boring. Why is she so obsessed with him? Why is he so obsessed with her? This is ridiculous. Um, because they're 14 and horny. <laughs> that too. <laughs> no! But, um, like, and then we watched the movie, and the movie's just, like, as ridiculous as that. We didn't watch the 90s version. We watched mm. the 50s. Oh, you watched that one with no. Olivia. Yeah. Olivia, what's her name? Bossy. But the guy Bossy. who looks yes. like Zac Efron? The yes. one in the 50s? Yes. yes. Yes, that's the one that we watched, which yeah. makes it even worse, because that I was so mad so at my boring. teacher for not showing the love scene. Like, she was like, so you guys know how this all works, right? You read the story. And we we like, watched it. Yes, and she goes, they get under some blankets. We're going to move on. And I'm like, well, why? He's cute. I want to get under blankets with him. What's wrong with you? I didn't say this. Please cut this out. But, you know, that was what I was but thinking. Like, um, once we, once I got to college, we went to Canada for the Shakespeare Festival up there. And I got to see it live with professional actors doing it. Mm-hmm changed everything and now I actually love the show because I get the humor that's yeah. coming out of it. I, I don't know see... if it's because I was older or if it's because I actually got to see watching it. watching it performed, yeah. Yeah. In my Shakespeare class in undergrad, we went, the Michigan Theater was doing one of those like professional stage recording broadcasts mm. of Coriolanus, which we had just read <laughs> in Shakespeare undergrad. The one with Tom Hiddleston. Which meant the theater was like the 20 kids in my Shakespeare class and like Teen 800 girls. thirsty Tom Hiddleston fangirls. There's a scene where he's under a shower and just like the noise that happened in the theater at that time. So that's appropriate. You know, so you're like kind of like breaking apart a little bit, but you remember we talked about having a short story podcast where we read short stories? Oh yeah, the class, yeah. You know, planning ahead at one point or another, doing like a Shakespeare reading. Something to talk be about. Fun. Okay. I do like him. We do have to context with iambic pentameter mm-hmm. for that, though. Ugh. <laughs> it's genius, but it's like, ugh. Yeah, we're veering from yeah. the required Okay, but I had a thing. thought about something Andy said in the intro, yeah. Yeah. reading list-wise. And I feel like, to me at least, there is a difference between, like, your book riots and your lit hubs of the world that are collecting book lists, but doing it very specifically in the vein of, like, if you liked X, then try Y. Or here's 10 hot new releases for August, or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And something more like an assigned reading list or a syllabus or whatever, where it's like, here, you're reading this. I don't care if you like it, you're reading it. And I feel like the fun level that comes with something mm-hmm. from like a book riot, it's like, hey, it's five romance novels that all happen in a bakery. Like, of course you're clicking on that out of interest. Yeah, yeah. But why now can't summer reading lists be fun? Why do they have to be dread, dread, and more dread, I tell thee? Like, you know, I mean, I'm so... On some level, like, is that always just going to be the framing, though, because it's an assigned summer reading list? Like, even if we it, pick... No. When you say you, dread, what like, do you mean dread? Dread, dread, and more dread. The Scarlet Letter is dreadful. Um... It's brilliant and beautiful, and I love They're reading it. They're all very somber. But it's dreadful. They're all somber. You know, okay, the but Rye. only sad Cat, literature catcher, can be taken seriously. You've Rye, heard me say this. Catcher in the is yeah. dreadful. We had the fluffy I mean, reading argument earlier. Yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird is dreadful. They're All of them are just slogs, because, not just because of language and comprehension and all of those things that are important for young readers to pick up upon and learn, okay, sure, from an educational perspective. Right. But why are they all so bogged down in dreariness. Why are they all so deplorable because in you, subject Because matter? you can't learn anything good about the human condition from a half but it is novel. Such, but it is such a trash approach to literature. Take, for example, much of the science fiction that has been published in this country, let alone in the UK, right. is as well-written, if not better than, because not only are they trying to write something literary, but also something 
entertaining, something that holds your attention. Otherwise, your readers will revolt on you and never read you again. Um, As far as we are aware, plenty of the books that we consider classics and dreary now were rip-roaringly popular back in the day. But they were not written necessarily to entertain. I mean, Dickens is an example of someone who was writing to entertain people because they were highly yeah. entertained. Um, okay, I mean, minus like your Hawthorns women. of the world trying to get their lessons out there. But I mean, a lot of them were, you know, writing for this sort of grandiose idealist idea that, you know, literature it doesn't just exist to placate you or pass the times. It, it meant to reshape you and the rest of humanity. Twain does this. I mean, they all do it to some degree. And in as much as it provides superior linguistic skills, that's not why Shakespeare was written. No. Shakespeare was written to fill up a day, <laughs> literally. They, he was like, all right, people are coming into town. They're going to stay for three days. I gotta have three days worth of material. Right. Which is why there's so many jokes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, because if people are laughing for three days, it's much more fun. When the transitional <laughs> point in history, though, when books started veering towards the entertaining rather than strictly. I think once we got into like the Penny Dreadful era? Probably. I would say, yeah. Granted, I'm no like book historian. I'm just right. an English major who likes to talk. But I mean, I <laughs> maybe think there's when they always got to be been mass produced, but yes. yeah, anything more yes. affordable for yeah. the common like, folk. Yes, there has always been a his. Uh, you know, there there have always been people who wrote for. I mean, Wilkie Hall Collins, for example, Agatha Christie, for another. I mean, there's always been people who have written to entertain people because they knew that's what people wanted. It's rare less so now, but it was rare for a long time for those people to be remembered for it because scholars don't care about entertainment. They care about quality. You know, as if entertaining someone with mere words isn't in and of itself qualitative. Don't get me started. Mm. I think, <laughs> I think we point, already did. Yeah. It's it's the most... At that point, you have to ask, what is their view of quality? Like, what is their criteria for quality? And why is it always white men? Yeah. I mean, there's that. Well, because, well, a part of it for a long time was because they were the only people who went anywhere and did anything. Yeah. So, technically. No, I mean, that's why we have a room of one's own. Exactly. This is why Virginia Woolf was like, I don't have to go anywhere to write anything interesting, James Joyce. (laughs) Take that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Makes you wonder where we might be in, say, 100, 150 years. I mean, even now in literature courses uh, in college, they're at least branching out a little bit and teaching different things. Oh, for sure. I took a uh, young adult literature Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. and that was the first time I actually read uh, Hunger Games. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice. That came at your your wonderful um, Frankie Landau Banks, your beloved book. (laughs) You you took that at Eastern? Hmm? Okay, because my teacher who taught it at U of M was a visiting professor from Eastern because the person oh, who was supposed to teach it gosh, what's left. Her name? I don't remember her name. Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. We had the same class. Right. That's Shout hilarious. out to Kathy. Schweitzer? Yes. yes. Shout out to Kathy. Oh, I know that name. Why do I know that name? I probably met her. Anyway. but And I, I enjoyed her class. Yeah, um, I really loved that. I definitely, <laughs> definitely enjoyed it. Um, we got to read The Fault in Our Stars and Fangirl. I was like, this is the best. Actually... <laughs> Again, she's using the same syllabus. But the fact man. that like pe- people mm-hmm. talk about like, what's being taught in classes, I'm like one of my first uh, literature classes in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. They were not anything that I expected. Yeah, they in were more my, modern entries. Yeah, into in the, my intro to the English major class at U of M, we had to read the first couple chapters of Fifty Shades of Grey. So that's we put that. But in your you know, pipe you, and but see, it. U of M is one of those schools in the country that is <clears throat> pushing the grain. In literature, their writing school yeah. is one of the top writing schools in the country. The, you know, it's not Iowa, but no. whatever, nobody's Iowa. And I mean, I think they accept two, like, I don't remember, and this would be the statistics from when I was there, you know, seven years ago already now. Mm-hmm. But in the College of Literature, Science, and the Arts, which is the part the English department is in, English majors are, like, in the top five of, like, amount of majors or something like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. they need to have the breadth of classes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Something I, I was thinking about like a few minutes ago too is we're talking, we're talking about a list, the idea of list, and then we're talking about what populates that list. Yeah. But it, 
what about the rise of AR reading? I mean, people can come and they have to. I, I don't love the idea of them. And actually, What's yes, the I, next I, no, I wish you, I wish no. y'all could see the body no. language. <laughs> no, Anthony was embracing. Aaron no. too is not. And Aaron and she's more vocal about it. <laughs> the idea of AR reading list. I, I like the idea of them that read X number of points. But it just, oh, we need 50 points. Oh, okay, what about this book? Oh, it's only worth a quarter of a point. What about Moby Dick? Oh, half point, one quarter point. And it's it's ridiculous of whatever, how they determine what is what. Yeah, because I think that's but the thing. Is the yeah. second you start the flexibility saying, like, is a little bit better. Yeah. But there's, I think the second you start yeah. saying, like, you need X amount of points to finish the semester, to finish the quarter, right. whatever it is, most kids are going to start doing, like, they're gunning for the most points in the least amount of time. There's but map. there's also, like, the fact that teachers will turn around, and if you're saying something like, I want to read Harry Potter, and I'm in, like, third grade, and this book is, like, 12 points, well, that's too many points. You have to do ones that are smaller, so that way you can get this mo- read as many books as possible. Which, ugh. Yeah. Which, yeah. that's so what happened to really, me in elementary school. Then just give me a like, list, and I'll... Yeah. Yeah, reading. So really, depending on how you use AR, I think is where we run into the yeah. issues. There are huge debates ongoing in the school library journal. I remember falling down a rabbit hole one afternoon and I like, Kathy came upstairs and saw me at the desk and I like looked up at her, <laughs> like seething With eyes. With the eyes and, of God. And she's like, and I showed, like I waved a book list in her face and was like, and she goes, oh, yeah, that. Reading levels. Is mm-hmm. such a massive debate in early literacy circles, which is stupid because most of the studies that have been done in the last decade and a half have debunked reading levels as pure garbage. They don't work. They nope. do not encourage children to continue reading. No. Nope. Mm. Literally, the number one thing that gets children to continue to read is pleasure. Okay. How levels one gets to pleasure. You don't read for pleasure. Reading level is defined in the sense that, like, okay, if I'm looking at a second grader, automatically assuming that they're reading second grade level books. Okay. That's just not a truth. No. So you're either pitching something at a kid that's too simple for them or not, not difficult enough. enough, or you're just... You, you're fobbing something off on them that they don't want to read. No. Yeah, and I think I ever run into the issue with that. We're like, because I was one of those kids where like, I was in kindergarten, and according to my mother and according to the testing that was done like when I entered kindergarten, mm-hmm. I could read at a 12th grade level. But there's no book in the world appropriate for a kindergartner that's written at a 12th grade level. Precisely. Mood. Precisely. And this so is, like yeah. when we hit, when we're talking levels, like. Yes, I was going to read books that had, like, much simpler sentences than I could comprehend, but I wasn't going to be reading, you know, a sex scene at the tender age of five but this is why reading, and going, Mom, what's this? But this is why reading levels are garbage intrinsically anyway, because what are you judging it by? Are you judging it by the, the context of the sentences? Because I've read plenty of 12th grade reading level or college grade reading level sentences, but the author has nothing to say. <laughs> it's a garbage book. Or it's an overly simplistic book with a lot of flowery language, with pretty language. Yeah. So what? You know, or vice versa. You read that, like, that Meet the Hunger Games, for example, has a very complicated um, thing that it's trying to get you to understand. Or yeah, many like things that it's ideas trying to get you to understand. Set of ideas. Yeah. Even if the narrative is, you know, a bit simplistic or easy, yeah. and the language is... Um, that of a... 10th grade girl sure. who's fighting for her life in the right. forest. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's 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 easygoing, it's competent, <sighs> but it's I mean that, what reading level is that? Yeah. But, right? I mean, that's this is why reading levels just don't work. So what no, does no, no, work, no, Hunger Games reading levels. however, is if you give True, a child yeah, no, no, no. a book that makes their eyes go <laughs> and then they open it and they read it they finish it and they go, whew, that was cool. I want to do that again. That's the only thing that has proven to keep children of all different age groups, categories, and reading interests and tastes reading. Okay, here's a, and this, I know you're going to probably use the word lazy in a second here. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) But at least the intent behind a reading list, it's on some level 
it's for the intent to it's kind of a low grade reader's advisory within our world. Oh, you sure. want to put the book of like if you it's know, compiled so you, right. Which right. and it may not be compiled right, but even yeah. then, like there's a suggested reading level, but you mm-hmm. can vary from it. That's oh, sure. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe it's a little lazy. What is I the have what is reading level? I have uh, answers. Not necessarily. I don't think it's lazy. Uh, uh, Hunger Games AR level is five point three, and it's considered a middle grade eleven to thirteen reading level. Okay, like eleven to thirteen level. reading level. What yeah. I think it's lazy though for Anthony is because I'm sure that there are people who are like. Oh, you're gonna like this. It has a lifestyle score of eight ten. That's oh, just bad that reader's means. advisory. Yeah, no, I agree. That's yeah, sloppy reader's advisory. I would agree with that. Um, but I also think that you know, I think I don't know. I'm someone who loves. I just love looking at lists. I love perusing them and seeing yeah. like you know, especially if it's a book you've read, right? Like how many? Are we raising our hands like we're in the classroom? Yeah, me. yeah, I have a question. Go. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, 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 I go first. I, I was just gonna say that's how I. More, more so in the past, but yeah. that's how I've found a lot of stuff I love, through lists. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, they're fun. People are naturally drawn to them for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, it's fun to argue about. Because <laughs> yeah, no, um, I love one that's like, you know, that's where my question essential comes whatever type of yeah. novels. Because I'll click and read that, like, if this doesn't say X, I Y, and Z, I get angry so yeah. fast. And even if you disagree <laughs> with it, like, strongly... Maybe you'll find something you haven't heard about that yeah. sparks your interest. So, I mean, I want to let you know I did recommend you to a patron yesterday. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> well, she's a young teen patron that come in. We have really great discussions on different books, and she got to talking. Like she's like, I also like. I think my my go to is probably kind of psychological, maybe a little horror-ish. I'm like... So, Grant. <laughs> so, this yeah. is a Grant right. thing. That's a Grant question. Grant likes to read books that ruin his day in you know, the best way possible. Yeah, you can find him in the corner over there. Yeah. <laughs> we can find him in the coffin <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, he, so. he emerges from the shadows. <laughs> Listen, I... I, I Never mind. Continue. No, continue. no, continue. No, I was just going to say, I don't even know if I'm, I'm, I'm a... I, 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 it just kind of turned out. That Is he I'm qualified not, enough? Am I qualified enough? I don't know. It kind of just I, turned out that you're way. more qualified than the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> okay. But like, if if a young teen comes up to you and she asks for, you know, she, hey, Andy said something about you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give her, give her all the good recommendations for like the psychological crap out of her. <laughs> She doesn't like mysteries, but she likes psychological thrillers and kind of horror-ish. Mm-hmm. Sounds like my kind of girl. Okay. So well, we all, how about there, too? So we all like reading lists. So what makes a reading list good? What makes a book list good? One that I can argue with. Remember that fantasy, the Time Magazine? The Speaking of which, because Time Magazine... And I read that YA one. List. I haven't read the, I read the YA list. So, like, the, the um, fantasy list was something that I personally was, like, like not necessarily checkboxing, but I was like, oh, this is unusual, and that's what I loved about the list, because they didn't have your stereotypical standard, uh, you know, I've read every 14-book saga, therefore it's on the list, and you're like... Why is all of the 90s literally the only thing on this list? They sort of like took a broader view, which I enjoyed. But then I read not very sophisticated blogs because they were, you know, angry white boy fanboys who just don't know how to write well. And it was fine, but they had salient points. Okay. Because they know the history of the genre. And they're like, how can you say that this list contains the best when the history of the genre? is not even taken into consideration. Whereas on the YA list, I think the exact opposite was true, where they took the, the history of YA very seriously and had a really interesting sort of view. But then I looked at it again and I was like, where is all the fantasy? Why is Wizard of Earthsea the first fantasy novel to appear on this list for young adults? I don't think so. Like, it just feels uneven genre-wise. Yeah, my favorite part was reading their... Uh, reasoning to why they've chosen them because they did link to like this mm-hmm. is why we chose it and i'm sitting there just going okay so what's your criteria for the book list and they didn't give you anything in this criteria list they were just like yeah we picked things that were from like fifth grade to 12th grade reading and that's basically it there was absolutely nothing else in that list that was like here's why we chose it specifically well and they wanted it to be more weighted towards like what they really wanted was a fairer list. Okay. So they weighted a lot of their choices, and they admitted this, so I give them props for that. Yeah. 
they weighted it towards things published post 2000 um, and even like post like 2010. Yeah. But um, some of that is really your boom YA time anyway. It is, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it, it fits. Um, but you know, Twilight wasn't on the list. <laughs> I was very con- I was confused. Right. As to why Hunger uh, Games is on the list, but Twilight's not on the list. Yeah. I mean, you know, The Fault in Our Stars is on the list, but yeah. Looking for Alaska or Paper Towns is not. And I'm like, I know you're probably choosing one John Green, so you choose the one that everybody's heard of, but that means you're choosing popularity, not best. That's what yeah, I was saying. There's I'm always like, a fine <laughs> yeah. balance that needs, you know, yeah. like between your personal... Yeah. But I think also, like, anytime you also set out to do... The hundred best fantasy novels, the hundred best young adult novels. You just shot yourself in the foot, totally, from start to finish. Like yes. there's never before you even start. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> it's your hundred best, but it's not the hundred best. Yes. But and I think to go back to kind of like what makes a good book list, like what is your intentionality behind it? What is your methodology behind it? Mm-hmm. Are you doing like again? Hey, we've got you know this new. Uh, We've got Before We Were Yours out by Lisa Wingate. We've got Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And the library holds list for that is through the roof. You'll get it next year. But Something. here's five books that yeah. have pretty similar themes. Try one of these mm-hmm. while you wait. Mm-hmm. I like it when they disclose the fact that this is the opinion of whoever's compiling the list. Yeah. Because, like, yes. then at least there's a way for readers or the audience who's br- looking at the list to contest, like, why isn't Twilight on the YA best list? Okay, and I have a question for all of you guys right now. Yes. Yeah. So, we're obviously not going to ever write our own book list, because I think we would just kill each other in the process. <laughs> and you would be fired immediately. Yeah. Let's say... And not even fired for, like, yeah. punching someone. But if you were doing something, like, we were writing, you know, ADLs, you know, books that are essential to the staff. Something not necessarily our favorite, not necessarily our least favorite... You know, but something. What's something you would put on a book list if we were putting well, it out there? Maybe staffs Castle. number ones. ADL staffs number ones. I Those mean, are two different lists. But it, it's it, it is kind of a list. But like, are you? What do we? It's like our staff pick out there. We're not saying whether or not it's the best books. Yeah, because I struggle with that word. I struggle with the word essential. Like That's fair. I was just you know trying to like, No, I, I get you, but yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair thing because people use that a lot in their lists where they'll say, you know, here's the essential reads for whatever. And I'm like... There, in my view, there's no such thing as an essential read. Did you read it? Move on. Period. Point I, point. You've I, never there, been... There are books, Sorry. No, there are books that move me to utter tears, and I, I try my best, and I use the language as much as the rest of us, but I try my best when I'm pitching it to someone to refrain from using the words, you must read this, because I know that just because it hit me a certain way has nothing to do with the reading experience of that other person. Because they may read it and go, oh my god, I couldn't get past page five because it reminds me of... X, Y, Z. You know, and that's a fair thing. And I may not want to hear that from them. Howl's Moving Castle is glorious. Get off my junk. (laughs) That's just how I feel about it. Um, But but I don't think anyone else should be obligated to feel that way just because it's what I love. But let's say we're living in a world where someone is going to go, you know what? Yes. (laughs) I'll pitch it at me, and because you love it, I will read it. Maybe they'll love it, maybe they won't, but they're going to go into it with the openness in their heart that you're pitching it, so they're going to read it. I just had this happen. I just had this happen. What's that book? So... I had a patron email me and say, give me three books that you, um, it, just what you just said. Yeah. So, of course, no, none of you are going to be surprised by this. Beloved. Yes. Song of Achilles. Yep. yep. Howl's Moving Castle. Yep. Yes. Those are my, I mean, just because those are the three that I consistently reread all the time. I love them. Ones that you can consistently go back to. Yeah. Yes. Um, I also go back I to Wizard of Earthsea a lot, but for different reasons. It's, it's a, it's, it's. For different reasons, so you know. There. So what's does any? See, I, I second Howl's Moving Castle being on the list, like wholeheartedly. Uh, we only have the second book here, but uh, Patricia C. Reed's uh, Enchanted Forest series I really like. Oh no, we have all of them now. We have all of them now. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> we only had the second one for for, for a, a small, time. quick time. Yeah. Um, but I like that series. Like that's a really good tween like mm-hmm. middle grade series to like especially like if you're a tween going into the teens like mm-hmm. or Jay going into tween like that's mm-hmm. a good like transitional series for like people to read 
mm-hmm. especially keeping them in because it's a good fantasy. Um, the main character is a female, and she's very much like that sassy heroine that you always want in every single one of your books that everyone wants. And there's talking dragons. I mean, who doesn't like talking dragons? Are we still going with the operative word of essential? <laughs> sure. Ugh. Like, because that got thrown out a little bit ago. I know, but that was just me. If you guys want to use essential, you no, 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 no. Essential. I'm just oh, because like even in the the vein of this discussion, if we're going to go with the word essential, you made the case with the strong, sassy female character mm-hmm. as a protagonist. Which at that point, I'm like, okay, yeah. But like, how's Moving Castle essential reading? No dig on it. You know, I didn't love, love, love it. Mm-hmm. However, another book that I really did not care for, but I think would rank pretty high on it. What if we were to compile an essential reading list? Yeah, um, Wizard of Earthsea. Just because of the discussions mm-hmm. we've had of it, it didn't click with me. It didn't resonate. But like everything I've read from, you know, or heard from you, or read online, read from scholarly articles, that warrants a place on. If we were to say like an essential reading list, yeah. Okay, I mean, but I what would, I meant yeah. by it was like your when I, I, I know. when Anthony made me rephrase to their credit because I should be specific in what I meant here. What book to vaguely plagiarize slash try to quote a John Green thing that's only halfway coming to mind from the Fault in Our Stars right now? <laughs> <laughs> book fills you with that weird evangelical zeal that if you just got everyone on the planet to read this book, the problems would be fixed. <laughs> Thanks, Hazel Grace. Wow, wow. Um, yeah. I don't have an answer for that question. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, 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 that, yeah. I'm going to yeah. throw it that's at our, at our more just... avid yeah. reader. And I threw this at you with no prep, so Y'all. I understand that no one has an answer. Wait, what's yours? I don't know if I have one either. But <laughs> yeah. that, but, wow. Or like, just because I'm also, I'm bad. I'm going to fire Fahrenheit 451. I'm bad at Thank favorites. Thank you. That's, that's the one I'm going to fire out. And why? I mean, yes, it is, you know, my favorite book, but I, I think... It is a densely nutritious book. Nutritious? Are you absolutely. eating it or reading? <laughs> I like yes. It. I'm a foodie. I, I liken things to food all the time. Um, but it's it's a wonderfully packed book, and it, it, it does, in 170-some-odd words, mm. what some dystopian authors can't do in 1,000 or 500 or 300. It. You mean pages? Thank you. Thank you. No, that's uh, pages. Handles. 170 pages. 170 what words? other authors can't do in 200, 300, 500, or 1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, is it the best? No, but I think for it's a it's a, an argument of, like, a good sci-fi, good dystopian, a, an exercise in writing for where brevity is better than verbosity. Oh, I chose my three because I genuinely think those three are the top. Those are the best books I've read. I can Fiction. say, like, no, I, they're just, good. I don't they're know just, if I have an all time you know. because I'm bad at favorites and, like, very much fluctuates depending <laughs> yeah. on where I am in my life. All this We're kind of indecisive thing. about that. The one that got me most recently, and none of you are going to be surprised to hear this either, but the one that got me oh. most recently that I knew everyone okay. to read this book is Codename Verity. <laughs> oh, that one. Andy knows what you're talking about. I, it was, was passable. It was, you know. <laughs> Thanks. I needed some ketchup on it. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't see you crying in the workroom about it. <laughs> Shots fired. Grant, would you put Dune on that list or like well, your favorite Dune uh, yeah, on that I, list? I would put the series as a whole. The series as a whole. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could it, it's a series where I think it's greater than the sum of its parts. I mean, you're not alone. I mean, a Dune is repet- repeatedly. <laughs> Could we stop after at the, the top third? of the science well, like, fiction list? No, you can't. <laughs> oh, um, ouch! Rules. But um, <laughs> no, the first one. Shots fired. The first one is the even the best. The has been laid so, down. Space. Oh, Grant's gonna jump on the table and start punching me. It's like wrestling style suplex. <laughs> <laughs> Break a wooden chair over my. I shall not fear. Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> it's a Dune quote, guys. I love it. Okay. I'm um, All of us are just pulling close. Um, but yeah, as as I'm broken now. Sorry, for for me personally, I guess I've mentioned it like 20 times on the podcast already. But I, I always go back to Watchmen. That's probably my. Oh. It's 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 one yeah. of those books. It's like oh, a, it's a life choice, it's though. a lifetime commitment because you always find something new when you go back always. to it, and yeah. it's very yeah. re- rewarding. So. I think that's something that definitely, you know, fits that description that you gave of Hazel Grace's. It Because Hazel Grace, the book that she's talking about, has read that book cover to cover repeatedly. Yeah. You know, and unlike most people, she's a person, and oh, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> so she's a character with terminal illness at a young age. So she's had a lot of time yeah. to read 
this book over and over and over again, you know? So I think that's something that, like, perennial favorites like that have to be able to hold up to is, I mean, I read Howl's Moving Castle three times in a year in which I read about 50 other books. That book holds. Like, it has to because three times within a calendar year, that's, you know, maybe slightly obsessive. It's fine. There aren't a lot of books I can say that about that that just hold up to that. Yeah. You know, that obsessive, like, tight, like, oh, my gosh, reread. Um, and gets, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to improve every time, but it certainly, it has to hold up, right? Like, how yeah. many times have you read Fahrenheit 4, Half-Life 1, and you're just like, oh, this, yes, you know? Or maybe you find like, something different in it, yeah. at least every so often. You get to that specific passage every now and then. Like, there's one in particular where this 16-year-old character is telling Montag, you know, you're not like other people. Mm-hmm. I know, I've watched them. When I point out the moon, you look at the moon. They just push me and walk away. Um... That's actually a little bit paraphrased, but um, I've actually thought about getting that as a tattoo, but nice. um, sometime. Um, I want it because we are getting a little bit short on time. I was thinking about what elements that we've discussed today make a good reading list. And of course, um, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, one of the things that like I started to think about and Aaron kind of jumped into it and I thought was, when I look at a good reading list, that there is, it's not like from, it's not the brainchild of one person. It's a collaboration amongst, maybe from an academic point of view, many scholars contributed to this list from, you know, or from like a Book Riot one. If it's, a, this is one of the things that I look for. Um, is it the sole person telling me, oh, you should read these? Because then it becomes like, are they making money? Are they popular? What? But if there's like all the editors and all the contributors of Book Riot have contributed to this, okay, I'm already kind of a little more forgiving of this list. I have, I have to slightly disagree. Yeah. I kind of Ooh. prefer more personal lists only because I find that you find, you, more often you find the odd, the odd choice that yeah. you wanted to... I, th- I, I, that's, I, that's I, think, I, think, I feel like I'm in the middle of you two, but finish yeah. No, there's yeah. a balance. I, but for me, I think um, like collaborative lists, a lot of times it's kind of watered down. You, it's yeah. predictable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's predictable or just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I prefer kind of idiosyncratic. You know. I think it kind of depends on the size of the li- or like the size and again the intent of the list. Of the list. Yeah. 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 Like when it's one of those like three new releases, like one person can write that. I think mm-hmm. I trust one person to give me three books. Yeah. <laughs> but if like time was coming out, like hey, we asked one person what the hundred essential fantasy novels are, I'd be like, okay. Did you consider this? We asked Frank from down the street. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you know what? I I think something that I, that sets me a little bit off or apart from whenever I read lists is because I have read so many books of not just scholarship, but history of literature, Mm -hmm. because those are written differently from a different angle. Scholarship is like, oh, you know, them propping up all these reasons why they loved something. It's like, just say you loved it and stop using all this academic language to mask it. But, but why did but, you love it? But hit. They don't. But they won't. But they. But you I know loved what I mean? it because yeah. I thought it was cool. That's it. Right. Right. But Story. Like, point blank. We're done. You know, you right. Are but guilty it. of that yourself His, sometimes. But, but history. The history of a of a category or of a genre or of a canon is far more interesting because you get to see, you get all these little titles that you're never going to find, or most of them are out of print, or you know, the New York Review of Books is the only one that publishes them anymore because. You know, for whatever reasons, and it's it's fascinating because like the interwar period has all these women writing these fantasy novels, but the only one that you've ever heard about is The Hobbit, right? <laughs> like, which means yes, The Hobbit is significant, but so is Mary Poppins, and so is this other book you've never heard of, Ship of Fools, and so is this other. I book, love you know, Mary Poppins. And so you get decades worth of material that sets you as a reader apart from most people that you know because you're not necessarily reading stuff that's good. <laughs> or better. You're just reading stuff that had an impact or that's influential. And that it's a different... Anyway. And right. That's all okay. that matters. We have to move on a little bit, but dear listeners, please turn in to the next podcast. You're going to hate us. There's going to be a fight. I'm bringing in my boxing gloves. I'm going to be I'll ready. bring some popcorn and some snacks and we can all watch it. Some band-aids? <laughs> I'm definitely reading them. Oh, you're going to be in the corner oh, yeah. self-flagellating. Just... <laughs> <he's wet. laughs> um... Aaron. But anyway, smack. I have three. Um, we can take our pick. Okay. Um, this one says A and A pick, not my fault, so I don't know if I want to do it yet. Wait, 
while you're looking at it. I am. Uh oh. Um, I also have a couple others, so we'll we'll decide as it goes. Uh, so this one is Cujo, Moby Dick, and Grendel. I hate you. And this is an A and A pick, and it literally says "Not my fault." Shout out to Megan who put that there. I trust you, Megan. I know actually, you. that's interesting. <laughs> um. And then I have. Speaking of our Shakespeare discussion, maybe I should keep this for later, but wait, I won't wait. because I'll make a new one. Hit okay, me. Yeah. Hamlet, Ophelia, Horatio, go. Oh, I thought we did that one before. No. I don't remember. It's in. It's in. It's in. It's in the jar, which means we have not. I feel like Horatio is the most stable, so possibly marriage would be. I mean, he's the only one alive at the end. Your best choice. It's true. I'd marry Hamlet. He's just the right kind of like demented and interesting and introspective and strange and crazy. This that I'm explains kind of... why you would marry Damon in a heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> I, Hamlet's my guy. Um, Anthony has a type. I'd give Ophelia one good night before she walked away in the river because she needs that <laughs> poor thing. That's then, not, you're not wrong. You know, Horatio, you die, Horatio. You know. So I, I need to hear <laughs> Andy and Anthony's version of that pick. Cujo, Moby Dick, or Grendel? Yes. You go first. I think I'm going to think about this for a minute. Um, I'm going to assume that rabies is kind of a a stand-in for an STD. Yeah, the bestiality here. (laughs) We're talking. Beep. Um, But if we're going to go on that thing, we're talking, uh, I don't want to catch his rabies, you know. So we're going to have to put down Cujo. Snog Grendel. And Mary Moby Dick. Anthony's face. Anthony's face. Moby Dick was just a chill little whale doing his own thing. I like I I like the idea of like lifetime partnership with a big white whale. (laughs) All of that that might entail. Anyway, um I'm just interested in this like snoggy and Grendel thing. Like, I don't think you know what you're signing up here. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I very much am on Team Grendel being misunderstood. But good lord, like, I, think I like this game anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I just, this I one, just went to a place that, were, that I'm not comfortable. Think about it. Because it's an unpredictable nature. Do you want to marry Grendel? Yeah, I'd marry Grendel. I'd marry Grendel. Absolutely. I don't you know think what? you know what you're getting. Yeah. Why are you here? Because here's the thing. Because if you snog him, you only got to deal with like a short period of time. I don't. The whale. To... You know what that whale's about. <laughs> I don't want to. It's to... predictable. I don't want to live Jonah's belly life for a while. I just that's just too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> Moby Dick. I'm in you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Johnson. Thanks for listening. In the belly of the whale, I mean. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, guys. End of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. That's my great. Last one, our final episode. I'm literally crying.